you're listening to Danny on What The Heck Podcast. This is the place where I share my experience, knowledge and skills. Special guest all the way from America, which I haven't actually asked you what part of America you're from. You have to tell us, Dara. Uh, you, well, Utah right now, but Utah, Nevada and Oklahoma. Now, isn't that where all the, the Mormons live? Uh, yep, <laughs> deal with them all day, every day. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Now, I'm just curious if it is where the Mormons live. Do they have bikes and they bike around all the time? Because that's the only time I see a Mormon in, in New Zealand where I am. Uh, they literally are always on bikes. Yep, they're so, on bikes and a Ford Focus. Wow, how about that? Right, so I've got you along and we've got a format, which if you're not familiar uh, what we do to our listeners, uh, we have 12 questions with what to heck, and uh, I've just got a card, a pack of about 100 different questions, and I grab, I shuffle them, and I grab out 12, and then I ask our guests these random questions. So even though I don't know what the question is going to be next, and uh, let's see what the first one. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, anywhere in the world, probably Ireland. I would go back Island. and, yeah, yep. That's a tough Why? one because I, I love mountains and I love oceans. I live in Utah. I've hiked all over. Um, I do love oceans and forests, but uh, my heritage is a lot of Celtic. Uh, Great-great-grandparents were Scottish and Irish, so. So I do would, you have uh, bagpipes and a kilt? I do have a kilt, no bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> Backpipes are one of those things nobody wants to hear a piper that's not good. It's just, that's, oh. Yeah. I I used to actually do a website for a guy who used to actually make the bags. Um, Galloway bagpipes, they were called. And it was quite an art. But uh, he was, uh, when I was, oh, it is. He's really passionate about it. But uh, after talking to him and getting to know about the product, I could certainly see why they have to be passionate about to actually do them. But different sizes and how to look after your your bag because it's um it's made out of is it well it's obviously something like a leather uh like a sheep bladder something like that yeah do they make vegan ones <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm sure they do they make electronic yeah. ones that actually sound pretty pretty good oh all right yeah youtube is it um, now, as I said, these questions are random, so I don't know if this question really applies, but you just said that you like hiking and tramping. Uh, so how many pairs of shoes do you own? It's probably more catered to the female variety, but I'm curious now. Oh, Lord. There's a story that goes along with that one. When I cool. mar- when I first got married, my ex-wife now would tease me. Because I always said, if you had more than three pairs of shoes, and the men, I was Jehovah's Witness, so I... If you had more than three yep. pairs of shoes, you were probably gay. Because a man right. should only have a, a pair of basketball shoes, a pair of meeting shoes, and a pair of work boots, and that's it. Right. Well, now, the kind of work I do and the outdoors I do, quick count, I probably have 20 pairs of shoes or 25. Well, wow. <laughs> you're not a hoarder by any chance? You don't keep them and never throw them out? Uh, no, I just, I have like three or four different pairs of cowboy boots. I've got you know, a couple of pairs of Doc Martens, a couple of pairs of basketball shoes, and yeah. like six different pairs of hiking boots. So, yeah, they're not all yeah. when I they wear out, I throw them away. But I'm kind of hard on shoes too. So, but yeah, I, I went away at Christmas from, time. 
I went away at Christmas time and I left a pair of my everyday shoes up with my, my partner's family and I'm hoping to reunite with them ne- next Christmas. But um, now I'm sort of like finding, oh, it's quite handy. I've got an extra pair of shoes laying around that I, I stopped wearing but didn't throw out. All right, mate, here you go. Here's your opportunity. If you ruled the world, what would you day... Oops, sorry, I reread that. If you, if you ruled the world, what would you change on day one? If I ruled the world... Yeah, uh, big time. I'd, I'd get rid of, uh, I think, borders. Borders would be gone. Borders. Yeah. Ah, that'd be quite cool. No, for no reason. I mean, I don't know. I, I think from an American perspective, it just makes me upset. Um, mm. Just because, you know, there's always the racism. It just seems to breed racism or hate and things like that. There's nothing that ever happens good because of a border. So if everybody just yeah. got together as one one race, one human race, then it'd be just better. Well, that, um, I was watching the Palatines, is it Palatines, if I said that right? And the I was watching on TikTok and they were showing them trying to shoot the planes down with their, as they flew into their airspace and they've got these, uh, oh. they look like these amazing, um, well, it's not amazing, but they're all bullets and they're flying through the sky. It's like watching the Skitty trying to shoot these helicopters down and it was just, like, oh my goodness, you know, it's like an arcade game, but the, yeah, hard to comprehend that people live life like that uh, and think it's acceptable that they can shoot and kill and yeah, 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 all because of land and rights and ugh, it's a messy world we live in. But the end is near. Do not worry, my friend. This is a sign of <laughs> the time. Just around the corner. <laughs> it's just we're going to get there sooner or later, <laughs> and then we're going to live in a paradise earth, and we'll be able to sit there and pet lions. Have you heard that story before, mate? Oh yeah. <laughs> For me, we'll it was a tiger, that. though. Um, right, who knows you the best? Oh, uh, who knows me the best right now? My grandpa passed away a few years. It would have been him. So the oh. one that's left would be uh, Rachel, my current girlfriend that has been my best friend for about two years. Oh, nice. Um, yep. Just because she knew me when I was a Jehovah's Witness, and then she's known me, I had a pretty rapid, it was a controlled change, but it was a rapid change to like, mm. I'm going to go figure out the world now. And so she knows both sides of that, which there's not many people that know both sides of that. It's hard when you get yourself in a new relationship, having to go through, oh, let me explain, because the first thing they want to do is meet your family. And you go, yeah, that's not that good idea. Oh, why not? And it kind of comes like it's like your problem. But if people do understand your background and, you know, that's why I like yeah. the ex-Jehovah's Witness community because you can speak the same language and you can tell a story and I have to explain it and they get what you're on about and they laugh because they go, oh, that happened to me. You know, a lot, a lot of parallels yeah. I'm finding um, when talking to others. Yeah, she was good because uh, she was raised LDS. She was a Mormon, but she she left oh, yeah. when she was twelve or thirteen, and um, so she had that conservative Christian background. It was different than mine, but mm. then when I would tell her things about being a Jehovah's Witness, she trusted me, so she believed me. But then in a way, she was like she couldn't believe what she was hearing, and so there mm. was a couple YouTubers, uh, Germ that's got some videos on YouTube and she saw some of his and was like, 
he has some stories that are just like yours. I can't believe that they were a hundred percent true. Everything was true. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I wasn't embellishing on that craziness. And she's like, so yeah, that, that having people that can understand it is definitely a help when you're leaving for sure. Yeah. Cause sometimes you think it's too surreal, don't you? And you don't really think this is, you think the voices in my head are making up this stuff. Yeah. I'm lucky to have her. And then my roommate, my kind of like my little brother, he left when he was 18 and I've had, we connected, we stayed in touch, but then when I left, we connected and picked right back up. And so yeah. I had a couple really strong people to help me out. Yeah. Well, funny enough, I had a bit of a story on last Sunday. I met my uh, half sister that I'd been trying to track down. And, she, and I met her when I was 14, but it was, um, I was trying to explain to her that I'm not very good at being a family. You know, I'm not very good living in a family because I'm not used to one, you know. So I said, I'm going to really struggle to stay in touch with you. And it's not that I don't want to, but I just don't have that habit where we don't do family dinners and get-togethers. And I said, um, so I'm going to make a real effort, <laughs> you know, so let's book a time. Otherwise, it'll be six months down the track and I've met her once <laughs> and haven't sort of got yeah. involved. You know, it's so hard because it's, um, but, you know, like when you reconnect with somebody that you, I'm 51, so what's that, 37 years ago, um, I met this lady once who's my sister um and it just feels like it's just a waste of um a lot of energy that you you know somebody you could have had in your life could have made a huge difference either way and you just missed out so it's nice that you can reconnect with so is it your steps brother or who was it no i refer to him as my little brother we i met him 22 years ago yeah um and he was i'm best friends well i was really good friends with his dad um, his dad's an elder mm. and he left, he left when he was 18. His parents told him either you keep going to meetings or you move out. They went to meeting on a Sunday, the day he turned 18. So he moved his stuff out. Wow. And he, you know, had a punk rock band and did a bunch of stuff and we always stayed in touch. He was never baptized. So he was kind of in that gray area. He just left, uh, you know, Wish I wasn't baptized. And so, yeah. So he doesn't disfellowship or anything. So, we stayed in touch. We hung out every now and then and things. And then when I left, um, we got the, we ended up moving in together a couple months after. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, uh, just before we got online, a guy rang me, um, Neville Aiden. Pretty sure it was his last name, and I would have been twenty three. Uh, so once again, that's a long time ago, isn't it? That's uh, whatever it is, few, quite a few years ago, because I'm 51, so that's uh, 28 years ago. And this guy went off the tracks. He was married at a young age, and he's separated with his wife. He just rung me, and because and, I saw him on um, Facebook, and then all of a sudden he decided to have a ring me, and he's telling me what's been happening in his life. You know, we weren't really close, but it was just so unusual to be able to reconnect with somebody after 28-odd years. Um, but we could... We're talking about the same stuff like it was yesterday and the people we knew and he just wants to catch up with, <laughs> you know, mayhem. But it still affects yeah. people. You can't get away from it. It's, it's not um, abnormal. All right, I've got a boring question. Do you have any hobbies? Too many. Um, Hunting and tramping. Kind of cut, cut them down. I have so many stuff that I was doing. Um, my, I mean, if you look at most of my website, anything I have on YouTube or you know, Instagram, it, it says Jack of all trades, master of none. Oh yeah. Cause I'm interested in a lot of stuff, but I'm also kind of bored easily. So I, you know, find something, do it for a while and then stop. But, uh, my ex 
well, my ex-father-in-law taught me how to do leather work where you, oh. you know, actual tooling of the leather work, not just making things, but um, the artistic tooling, the carving and the beveling to make like a 3D picture on things. So, and so I, I really do enjoy that. And that's what I like to do more of. So when I was a Jehovah's Witness, it was always hard finding a, the right size bag to put your Bible and your reasoning with the scriptures and your watch test. Did you make a bag ever? Or was that before that time? No, I, uh, my father-in-law, I've known him since I was seven or eight years old. Right. And he actually taught leatherworking at a, a school I went to when I was in elementary school. And so I learned leather work from him for years and years and years while I was at JW. Um, but I never made a bag. I made, we made Bible covers. We made, yeah. I made a bunch of bookmarks and book covers for an international convention we went to in Estonia about eight years ago. Yep. Um, stuff like that. Because, mm. um, you know, I had one made. I had to laugh, but it was, everyone was, oh, where'd you get your bag? And they used to have this commercial called Lands for Bags. And um, it used to be the same, but wouldn't probably, you probably wouldn't have seen that one. Uh, how long ago was it that you left the the Je Jehovah Witness organization? It was, it was 18 months ago, wasn't it? Not even that longer. Uh, so I stepped down. I was a ministerial servant, and I stepped down the beginning of September in 2019. Yeah. And then um, I, about two weeks after I stepped down, I wasn't disfellowshipped or anything. I just I stepped down because of a disagreement I had with the way a situation was handled and that by the elder body. Yep. And I just said, you know, I'm not going to quit being a Jehovah's Witness, but I'm I can't be in the leadership. I just can't do it mm. um, because of it. And so I stepped down, and they wouldn't have, half of the elder body wouldn't even talk to me the next day. Right. They wouldn't have liked that. And it was a hall where I, yeah, and I was treated in a way like I was already disfellowshipped. So. Within about two weeks and talking to some people, I'd already had some doubts and questions before that. Mm. And then the way the situation I talked about was handled, I was done anyway. Mm. So I was just like, you know what? If they're going to treat me that way, I'm just not going to go back. And I called them up and said, yeah, I'm done. So it was middle of September 2019. I think it's like gold stars, the organization, because every time when you first start out, the first job you're going to do is you'll get to be able to do a five-minute talk then you get privileges along the way and uh, roving mics, um, be able to sit at the back and look after the sound and then you become an unbaptized publisher and then and all along the way. So as soon as you get to the, you know, because what do you become a minister or servant, then you become an elder and then you become a circuit overseer and, and if you're lucky you get to go to visit the Bethel. But when, when the organisation sees that you want to go backwards, I don't think they have uh, a formula <laughs> for that yeah, they, don't. <laughs> they go you can't do that and it's like turning your back on jehovah yeah. don't do that because we'll punish you you know so well my my uncle even told me one time he says he's always kind of he's still a ministerial servant mm. but he he when i told him i stepped down he's like that's a shocker he goes it's it's easier to get appointed than it is to get to step down because wow. i yeah i i had to fight i it was three meetings for me to finally tell them, like, no, I'm I'm done. Mm. They kept telling me, no, no, we're not going to tell the circuit overseer yet. And they have three different meetings. I'm like, guys, you tell him or I have his number. I'll tell him myself. Oh. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? Oh, it's such a uh, thing. on Okay, let's go back into the question see where it takes us. Uh, huh, okay, good question, this one. What's one thing you'll never do again? 
Oh. <laughs> well, the answer that uh, uh, the answer that Rachel would tell me is never date an Aries again. Aries star signs. But I'm not that much in. I'm not that much in. That was the first thing that popped to my head. But that's not what I would do. Um, mm. I'll never. Gosh, I, I. The one thing I know I'll never do. I will never ever be part of an organized religion. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. You know, no matter how good they seem to start out, they just, it never ends up well. I, um, I think that's kind of a spirituality needs to be a personal journey. If you're going to go that way and it doesn't need to be controlled by a group and yeah. somebody's going to take advantage of it or use it to take advantage of someone. Else. Mm. So I just don't, don't ever see me being involved in that. Ever being involved in the, Ex Jehovah's Witness community. I'm finding there's a couple, of, a few different types of people, and for me, I don't really care anymore about the Bible uh, purpose or whether we got here from Adam and Eve. But then you get some people who seem to be still searching for the truth, or they call it the truth, or looking for God, or uh, you know, trying to interpret the scriptures, and it's sort of a. I think you're either in or out. I mean, I've just turned my back on the whole lot, and I'm now just. I probably rely more on fate and whatever will be, will be. Mm-hmm. And I, I quite like that. But uh, did you have to, uh, do you still search for, like, do you still believe in the Bible? Or how do you, do you have a belief? Or uh, I believe, I believe the Bible's a book. <laughs> I don't believe it's the end all be all anymore, like I was yeah. raised to. Um, I think two of the big things is there's, there's a, a uh, what do you call it, a saying. I don't know who said it offhand, so I'm not going to try and attribute it to anyone, but it, it's not me yeah. saying it, which is the more you know, the more you know you don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So the smarter we get, the more we learn, the more we learn about how things work around us, we understand that there's no way I'm going to ever understand mm. everything. And so then another thing that kind of goes with that that I caught on too quick, which um, uh, his name's Fifth. Oh, he's, he's got oh, an album. Yeah, we've had one here. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, so so it's it's a line in one of his songs, which is why I heard it first. But I think he heard it from someone else too, which is just I'd rather have answers I or I'd rather have questions I can't answer than answers I oh, can't I love question. That. Yeah. And as soon as I started looking at the world yeah. like that, like. I have a hard time believing there's not some type of intelligent mm. design, but I don't believe in the God of the Bible. I don't believe there's a God that's going to hold me accountable. There's some something out there that's bigger than me that probably had a way to put me here. Now, Derek, um, how I think about this, that, mate. You're I'm out not... tramping in the wilderness and you've got your new boots on and you come across this beautiful cabin in the woods. Do you really think that it just got there all by itself? <laughs> Did you use that example? <laughs> Well, so what I, was the yeah. purpose of the cabin i was i was in a more arid area so it was a house oh, in the desert right, but yeah. yeah exactly i reckon they have an answer for everything <laughs> isn't it and so i'm just happy to use somebody because uh-huh. i needed some shelter and i just happened to stumble across it <laughs> and what's the purpose of the mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the purpose of it and it's like oh here we go again I, 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 um, I have a business networking company and often I, I just blurt out I used to be a Jehovah's Witness and I said, but it helped me with my sales techniques, you know, like you'd knock on somebody's door and you go knock, knock and they'd say they're not interested 
And as you know, when you knock on 100 doors and 100 people say they're not interested, you come up with a workaround. And the workaround used to be, is it Jehovah's Witnesses you're not interested in, or is it religion? And most people will pick the easy one and yeah. they go, oh, religion. I said, well, I can appreciate that because wouldn't you agree that religion's responsible for a lot of the mayhem in the world? But don't worry, I'm not here to preach religion with you today. <laughs> and it'd be like, oh, yeah, I've just sideswiped the I'm not interested. So then, <laughs> so then if you got the, you know. Got to you got to get past those conversations. Oh, yeah, stuff, I know. Man. But I use them in business now, and it's great, really, isn't it? It's like, what obstacle can I help you overcome yeah. today? <laughs> oh. Okay, mate. So um, other than the psychological stuff, because you haven't been out of the religion for too long, and I can only assume that you're still going through a lot of, um, you know, a lot of thoughts. I mean, I've been out of it for 28 years, and just like I said, just before this interview, I got somebody ringing me up I hadn't, heard from since that time uh, so it keeps popping back into my life and I can't get yeah. away from it and it's like I you said you've been through a divorce I, I went through one as well and people say well how long did it take you to get over the divorce and I go it was if you asked me two years out I would say two years if you asked me five years out I'd say five years but it's to probably take me about 12 years now but ask me in 15 years so um, it takes a lot of uh, toll on your mind so how do you um, this question is how do you recharge but probably how do you keep yourself sane from the thoughts that must be going through your head maybe another like what keeps you what keeps you on the straight and narrow now um i credit i wasn't going to be involved in religion but i always felt the thing that keeps me grounded and i go back to I don't know how everything works and I'm never going to claim to know how the universe works, but I've always been grounded yeah. when I'm outside. I've always felt balanced when I'm outside. Um, I love trees. I love, I've always growing up, we lived right next to the woods and I'd go to the woods all the time. Um, I was on the RBC for, if you're not familiar with JW stuff, oh, yeah. the building yeah. committees in the U S yeah, kingdom halls. And it was back before there were uh, limits on age. So I was six foot one and 200 pounds when I was 12, 13 years old. So I was helping my uncles frame the kingdom halls all summer long from when I was just, you know, 12 years old. And, but there was one time we were having our, our hall remodeled and they just said, well, go to a neighboring congregation. Cause there was about seven kingdom halls within a 10 minute drive. There's a lot of witnesses in of course, the oppositions there. And one of my friends says, well, yeah. So he says, you know, what, what, what hall are you going to go to? And I said, honestly, I said, this is one of the few Sundays I don't have a talk. I don't have to run the sound. I don't have to run the video because we were yep. doing video at the time. I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the high church of the Uintas, which is our our mountain oh, yeah. range up north of us is the Uinta mountain range. And so I just, that's how I recharge. And the people that knew me, they knew that, oh, Derek needs to go camping. Mm. He needs to go out in the woods or else he's going to be a jerk for a yeah. while. So let him go do his thing. And then other people got really offended that I preferred to it as the high church. But I'm just like, at the time, I'm like, it's Jehovah's creation. I'm not appreciating Jehovah. So now I, I'm i pretty connected to my surroundings. And I found um, Noah Rochetta does a book, um, No Nonsense yep. Guide to Buddhism. But it's more as Buddhism as a way of life, not a, a religion, just a way to be a better whatever you are. 
And that was kind of just, that's kind of kept me mm. on that path. And then I just try to stay connected I love that with job. nature. That yeah, so you'd have a lot of cold power. and snow where you are some time of the year. Do you tramp out in all seasons? We get both. Um, my favorite part is mm. I love the fall, yeah. the autumn time. But um, I kind of avoid being outside in the winter. We have the best, like Utah's motto is the best snow on earth. I haven't skied since I was 12 or 13. Yeah. I don't like being out in the cold. Okay. Um, so spring and fall hike, are my favorite. Um, one walk, I normally take people up in the summertime. I thought I'd tramp up there in the wintertime. And there's this tin shed. It would literally be three meters by two meters, maybe a little bit bigger. And I had a fire in there and I thought, oh, I'm so cold and it was snowing and windy and it was literally in the middle of nowhere. So I lit the fire and then um, all the smoke started. The chimney wasn't working well, so the whole thing started filling up with smoke. And I thought, well, I'm... the dilemma was suffocate or keep warm. So I just keep the fire going so the smoke would only be, and I was crouching down as low as I could. <laughs> but I remember that night I had two sleeping bags, two pairs of pants on, and I was still cold. And I just got myself all kind of warm, and then I had to go to the loo. Like, oh. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no I do. I absolutely works. love getting out in nature, and we've got a um, real nice here in um, where I'm from, Christchurch, New Zealand. It's, um, it's just got lots of tramps where you can go out for three or four hours and get to a hut, and um, normally you'll be there all by yourself. Um, but oh. I had, sometimes the snow uh, can change real quick. So we just had a whole lot of flooding here, ironically, and it's even washed out our main uh, highway, our main highway, one of our bridges. So. Um, yeah, so that's what happens. Oh, wow. All right, a question. Um, oh dear, this is the mean question for an ex Jehovah's Witness, but I've got to ask it because it's in the deck and you can bypass it if you want. Um, what okay, here's a goodie. No, What's your favorite family holiday? Oh, my favorite family holiday. So, like, we're talking what I would have referred to well, as worldly holidays uh, now, yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. Or like yeah, family holiday. vacation. Yeah. You mean like family I, I vacation? Is that what you mean? Didn't go off to Las Vegas. Oh, okay, really. okay. <laughs> he, uh, so I mentioned a bunch of states when I started, and I'm actually heading down there this month. Is um, My grandma was mm. originally from Oklahoma, and I would go down there with her almost every summer for – usually I only got – she would go down there for three months. I yep. would usually get to go with her for a month. And I really enjoyed going down there because it was, I look back and it's, none of her family was witnesses and it was just real good folks, country, you know, slow yeah. down, slow life. Again, it was all nature. My, my grandpa had 200 acres wow. out in the river bottom and so I was there yeah, that's almost cool. every summer. That's not too bad. So, was it? And then before she passed away, I'd take her back there every year for two weeks yeah the last four years she was around we picked her back every year so cool um this one's probably with similar to the other questions actually if you could go back in time uh what's one thing uh i've got to reread this if you could go back in time to change one thing what would it be so you can change one thing go back in time very similar to a question we just had already what would you change still be a minister or servant uh, well, if we're going to go back in time, Ooh. I'd probably go kill Hitler. But what? yeah, if I can do one thing, Funny enough, right? One of my other questions, 
was actually if, um, <laughs> if, you, if you could have a meal with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And somebody answered that as um, Hitler and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine would, yep. mine would be my grandpa, but since nobody knows him, the closest other thing oh, would be Anthony Bourdain. What's that name? Where's that ring? So, what's the bell on that one? Anthony Bourdain, he's a, he wrote Kitchen Confidential and he did no reservations. He traveled all over and he was, he's kind of a, he's had an outlook on life of just get out there, experience, yeah. it, meet everybody, do everything because you're here. I mean, I have memorial tattoos. He died a few years back and I've got memorial Ooh, tattoos. Worldly, up here worldly tattoos. His, so he's, so he's been a big. When influence. did you get those? I'm pretty inked up in yeah, two I haven't years. I not got a tattoo yeah. yet, but I've, um, I remember my ex-wife at the time and I was thinking about getting one, and I think we got a divorce about two months afterwards, so it was pretty, <laughs> pretty lucky escape. But we're trying to sit there. What would we put on it? You know, could make a decision on what tattoo to put on. I would, I'm not very good at that. It was funny because I, I got left in September. I got mm. my first tattoo in October, and it just so happened to be on the same day I was baptized yeah. on October 29th, and my Brilliant. first tattoo was on. There's October some real mean 29th. ones on the uh, uh, ex Jehovah Witness uh, Facebook pages. Some people are getting some brilliant ones. Um, I've seen some. Have you seen any of those popping up? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Now the real COVID no, now again. You just see one, and you know what it means just by looking at it because they're an ex Jehovah's Witness and they made a real statement. But uh, yeah. what's the craziest <laughs> thing you've ever done? Podcast with Danny DeHick. Hope not. Oh, <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be legal. <laughs> uh, no, craziest thing I've probably ever done is I used to have a pretty. Oh, yeah. I've always had pretty fast cars, and I had one that I had a Lexus IS three hundred that had a turbo on it, and it it could make some Ooh. Corvettes cry. And I had it up to about one forty on a public public yeah. highway. That was that's the craziest oh, I used to have a, a, thing I've ever R8 done, holding a, uh, I think it was 6.3 liter engine and I took that for a spin on a public highway as you call it it was 243 243 kilometers so what's that uh, what's that work at it yeah no that we good that's I want to see uh yeah it wouldn't go any faster the stupid thing um that mine mine oh, puffed out yeah, yeah, that's 150 yeah. so yeah same speed yeah. It was um yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, I I used to have the Holdens. I think they call them something else in America, but they got the Chevy engine in them. Uh, GM yeah. GM had some Holden cars, so the they called it the Pontiac Grand uh, or the. Uh, it was when they released. I actually the videoed it when I was doing it. It was nighttime, uh, so I put a, a, I held my camera, a phone on the speedo. And I just plant a boot, and you just watch it. I think it changed into fourth at 190, um, and you can see it change. It was, and the noise of it um, was pretty amazing. But when I think back, holding the camera up on the speedo when you're driving at that sort of speed, uh, and it was late at night as well because, uh, and it was way way out in the middle of nowhere. But um, boy, the thing because I used to have my first Holden wasn't zooped up. The second one was a mid-range one, and then the R8 was had the racing expansion in it and everything. And when I took the the second to last one for a spin, it didn't feel very good. It started to get a bit loose on the road, and it didn't feel safe. But this other car, 
the R8 Holden just sank down on the road and it felt like it wanted to go that it just really it was set up beautifully you know um so i sold it after that well i sold it i only kept it for two years but it was just too scary man (laughs) holden just went out yeah just shut down not too long ago didn't they then holden just that was that was yeah they used to chew through the tires the tires were like magnets on the road but they just they all they rub out on the (laughs) inside and they were like um (laughs) new zealand money but probably about 500 us each and I'd only last 20,000 Ks and you'd have to replace yeah, the tires. I, I, had a, I had a Porsche 944 for a couple of years and the back tires were 500 bucks a piece and I, I burned through. They, they never lasted. Were they like, like 300 wide? Months. I would destroy them. It was, That'd be, I, yeah, uh, wow, they were amazing. 14 and yeah. a half inches wide. So... Yeah, they were huge. Yeah, the, beautiful. The back rim was I, I love looking at those tires. Yeah, I've been in. I've only been in. Um, well, I've been in one racing Porsche. Porsche wasn't in a race car, but I hadn't ever felt the power of a Porsche until my mate put his foot down in this thing, and I'm just going, "Whoa!" Because you know, wow. like the big V8s are real heavy, and these things aren't heavy, but they just yeah. pull like a schoolboy, if you could say that. Anyway, we've got a common interest. We love cars, but um, <laughs> I, I, I remember um, I've got a Suzuki Swift Sport <laughs> now. I don't even think you have them in America, do you? We had the Suzuki Swift for a while. Yeah. It was just a little hatchback. It's a 1400 turbo yeah, I think. thing. It goes quite yeah. well, but it's not quite the same as a V8. It always shocked people because they don't realize how much power it got. But, yeah. Anyway, um, what's three things that you would take with you to a desert island? Oh, well. My kukri. So big hunting knife for people that aren't familiar. Yeah. I spend a lot of time outdoors. That's an easy one. Uh, my, my metal canteen and a big chunk <laughs> yeah. of paracord. Uh, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Some it. people have had some funny answers to that question in the past. It always makes some said deck chair, a bottle of something, and, um, you know, suntan lotion. And I'm going, really? <laughs> it's not a holiday. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it depends on how long. Yes, yeah, I guess it depends on how long I'm stuck there, but I assume by that... Yeah, I love like those programs there, on TV. Oh, I'd, always, I'd like to think I'd last for a long time, but I mean, I'd be straight into thinking I'm going to be here for six months at least and plan out, you know, bigger picture stuff. I, I've i seriously considered applying for that alone show, especially now that I'm not married. Yeah, but I think I the last guy was... Would go for that one. Like the first guy that did that, he was he was out there for almost yeah. a year on season. No, they get one. crazy and they just seem to get in with it. I mean, you know, and then there's often obviously two of them who are competing against each other, not knowing it yeah. really. Uh, unusual one this one. What characteristics yeah. do you admire uh, in others? Does it uh, resonate with you? Uh my big thing is, I honesty. I hate just, uh, I've told everybody I spent too many years kind of pretending to be mm-hmm. something I wasn't fully committed to. So now I just kind of say how it is. And I, for a long time, even when I was a Jehovah's Witness, I just said, you know, I'll never yeah. say something behind your back I wouldn't say to your face. And I can say some pretty bad stuff, but it's just, if I'm saying it, it probably needs to be said, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I just, I like to know where I stand with people and 
pretty much everybody knows where they stand with me right away. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the way I prefer it. I think it's good. So I, people I think are just honest with, and um, when you leave, often because your family discommunicates you, you're sort of stunned a wee bit. But then you think, well, out of respect for your family and other people that still believe in it, you keep your mouth shut. Um, these days, I've sort of changed my focus. I, you know, I've my first my first podcast when I was talking about being an ex Jehovah's Witness. I upset two people that aren't in the religion anymore because I mentioned their first names, and if people know me, they'd probably figure out who I'm talking about. And now they don't talk to me, and um, and it's like, oh, well, and they're not even in the religion, and this because yeah. they didn't like me speaking out. But I think they said, oh, you should take it off, and I go, no, I don't want to. I'm sick of not, you know, saying how it affects me or anything. Yeah, I just decided I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend about anything. I am what I am, and if you don't like it, you, you, I'm, I'm sorry. You <laughs> but just, I don't. You in the JD don't time so um, that's our twelve questions. But I mean, like we've um, so our common interest is obviously yeah. if people listening are listening to this, they probably figured out we both were ex Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm about twenty eight years out now, um, and you're only, only really just over a year. Is that right? Or, have I got that right? Well, not even that. Ten months. Yeah. So well done, you. Yeah. Uh, if you were giving probably. someone yeah. advice on who are thinking about leaving the Jehovah's Witness organisation, and and they are sort of um, there's a fancy word for them, isn't it? Pims or P I. Oh, yes, they have the PIMO and POMO, so physically in, mentally yeah, out. Yeah, I've never really understood out, that myself, but out. some people must obviously sit there as a dilemma, yeah. a conundrum, whether they should uh, leave or not. What advice would you give them? <laughs> Is there life outside the organisation? <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> that's the thing. Um, Jillian, uh, she's got a YouTube channel. Uh, and she was interviewing some people. I actually just was doing a little short video today that I was, it made me think about something, which was just that it's the thing that really bugs Jehovah's Witnesses after you leave is mm. if you're out there and you're happy. Yeah. Because that's not what's supposed to happen. It just, it, that, you know, that's not what you're told is going to happen. And I'm, you know, life isn't easy. It's not a cakewalk. Um, I told you this week it was crazy. I mean, I had a storage unit broken into and I had probably $15,000 worth of tools stolen. Um, you know, it's been a rough week, but overall, yeah. where my yeah. life is, I have no complaints. You know, I just, I, I literally have no complaints. I don't, yeah. I'm not mad for how I was raised or anything. So my, my advice was, is for me, what I did is, I had had questions for a couple of years ever since my grandpa passed yep. away for about two years before I left. And um, once I got treated the way I was when I stepped down as a ministerial servant, I just started looking at other religions, other beliefs, what people outside the mm -hmm. religion were saying about the religion instead of mm -hmm. anything that was just fed from the governing body. And what did it for me was... I had had shoulder surgeries and I couldn't work anymore physically That's for a, cool a while. Job, I and must so I'd pay. become a private investigator. Yeah. And have you investigated me? I, I enjoy it. And, um, uh, <laughs> well, when, when, when the brothers, when the, when the governing body wouldn't answer the, 
the really? subpoenas of the Australian Royal Commission. I was like, I've delivered subpoenas to yeah. the top, you know, elders at the Mormon Church, and mm. and they answer the subpoenas. And I'm like, you know, you're God's organization on earth. You're not going to answer a subpoena, but like you're telling me, I had to register for military service, knowing full well. I mean, when I was a kid, that was when they were talking about oh. bringing the draft back wow. for one of the wars over in Iraq. And it's like I knew full well as I was registering yeah. that I could get drafted and I was going to go to prison. Mm. You know, I'd seen all these brothers in Korea that done it. And I'm like, I'll answer that. But you guys are the top guys in the world. You won't go talk to the court. If you got God's blessing, yeah. you should be able to go in there and tell that judge what for and who cares. And so then I really started looking into it and was just like, you know what? I'm mm. not going to do this. So just stop and look mm. at everything you can with an open mind because you don't realize it till you're out, but you just, you have a pre prejudice when you think that everything outside yeah. of the organization is influenced by Satan. So as soon as you take that away, you can learn a lot from a lot of people because you're not thinking that they're trying to trick you by being, you, you know, from Satan. Or whatever. If so you're talking, uh, as soon as I did that, negatively or learned. questioning the organization, you, you can get labeled apostate pretty quick. You know, like, my mum rang me, she hadn't talked to me for two years, and she said to me mm -hmm. when we were talking uh, about how she has seen, watched all these YouTube videos and she's listened to them all, she reckons. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a good one of Lloyd Evans there that I'm going to send her. And then I've, uh, there's another guy called Dan. He's on our, um, he, the Six Nations, he's part of that, or some radio show in America. Um, forgotten who it is, but anyway, he had a real good video that came out yesterday, and um, so I've sent that to my mum as well. And I thought, well, she's watched all these videos, but the problem is I, they just literally shut off, and it's just like this big wall. Anything negative, you know, they don't want to. They just turn their back on. They can't handle it, and it's really weird. So you're sitting here trying to reason, and then you think, oh, it just doesn't yeah. make any. And it's just such a interesting protection mechanism that they've been brainwashed with. Um, you know, and it's just um, like literally before um, I sent my mum a text today and just talking about Ava Davis and, you know, I thought, well, wonder what would happen if people like us decided to take the elders that discommunicate us from the church legally and, you know, for, uh, like in the workplace, if you treated somebody really bad, um, you, you would be able to sue your employer. But how can three men sit in a room and tell you that you're basically no good, mm -hmm. and then say that we're going to discommunicate you from your family and make your family not talk to you and not be held accountable. And the only time you want to... I'm thinking, well, why don't people like me decide to take the organisation to court? And then I think, well, why take the organisation to court? Why not take the three men that um, treated me this way to court? And, you know, and, and then I'm thinking, I'm just, you know, you think of these um, processes along the way that you think, well, why can't, why do people, why are they allowed to do this? Why are they allowed to treat you? Because any other organ, any other thing in the world that we live in, you're not allowed to. But all of a sudden, because it's got religion flag flying over it, they can treat you like, yeah. you know, they cause you a lot of harm, you know. Yeah, so. yeah no, you, you make a, you're dead on. I, my response to that is I, that was, I'm not disfellowshipped. Um, I left and I, I told 
there was an elder that I've known in my hall. I've been a ministerial servant mm. in that hall for 10 years. And there was an elder that was like my dad. And I told him, I said, look, this is why I'm leaving. I'm done. And I, you know, I'm, I'll continue to support my wife and my son in the religion. Um, and they can make their own choice. My son had just turned 18 and he was baptized already. And I said, but I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I don't want to talk about it. And I intended to stay in my marriage, but that ended a couple months that. later. It was, just, it was just, my wife was very, very um, into it. She just, you know, totally Amazing. pioneer all the way. Just that's all she loved. That's all she did. So it was hard for her. So after I moved out, they they tried to, you know, talk to me and have me come in. To, they even tried to call and have me have a cup of coffee. And I asked him, I said, is it just going to be you or are you bringing two friends? Yeah. And he, he actually was like, well, what do you mean? I said, you know exactly what I mean. And my response to him was, is you're right. Mm. And the, the thing is, is, as much as it hurts me to say this, is if yeah. I was in that situation, I would yeah. sue the branch and I would sue the three brothers. And I essentially told him that. I said, look, I walked away. Mm. I don't see you as an yeah. authority figure in any way, shape, or form now. I never did anything while I was in the religion to merit mm. being disfellowship. I told you that I'm leaving and I do not give you the authority to tell mm. my friends and family that they have to not associate with me. And I said, mm. so here's the deal. You can do whatever you want, but I said, I would strongly suggest that before you ever try and do a judicial committee or you try and mm. send me a certified letter saying I'm disfellowship, I said, you better contact Brooklyn yeah. Legal just like you guys had to do for the situation I told you about. And when you contact Brooklyn Legal and say, this guy has an attorney on retainer, mm. and if we disfellowship him, all of us are going to court, I said, you better mm. be ready to fight because I'm not, no one's going to tell. If my family mm. chooses that on their own, which the majority of them have, a few haven't, but the yeah. majority of them, they treat me like I'm disfellowship. But that's their choice now. I'm not going to let the organization tell my friends and family that it's without, true though, put, without having a fight. Yeah. I so, think it's true. Yeah. It's definitely it's been um, a year and a half. You don't give them any power. Whatever. Isn't it? It's like just, they're just mean. And they, you know, it's, I just think I was, I've been through heaps of judicial committees. I probably had 10 of them in my time. I got kicked out twice. And um, I remember bawling my eyes out, sitting at the back of the Kingdom Hall. And I think they must have thought I was going to do myself harm. So then they brought me back in after four months. <laughs> and then after six months later, I'm out again. It's like, oh, my God. But um, it's just really weird, you know, like, yeah, because I mean, at the time, they mean so much to you, these elders, you know. And, if, and I was, um, like, I got a letter, yeah. um, handwritten letter, put in our letterbox. And um, I'm reading... Yeah, and I thought, oh, stuff this. And I thought, oh, I don't want this. That's I thought, how you yeah. Because I was actually panicking because my partner was opening it. Oh, I wonder what it says. And I said, I want to know if it's from my mum or it's been in intended for me. Is it, a, you know, her reaching out to me, some form, whatever it was. And I thought, no, stuff this. So it was just a random letter. Managed to find my private investigator, you'd be proud of, managed to find um, uh, her husband that wrote the letter because she put her name on it. And he's a justice of the peace and he obviously marries people and then I found their home address. What else did I find out about him? His phone number. And so I rang him up. <laughs> and oh, first of all, I got the letter, jumped over the fence at the Kingdom Hall, taped it on the front door, and then videoed it 
on a Facebook Live. And uh, and then I rang up the guy a week later basically saying, look, I don't have anything to do with you yep, guys. And you. please, you know, this letter upset me. And I said, I've had two people in my family actually commit suicide. And I said, when you send a letter like that to people, are you not concerned that that could be a trigger for me and push me over the edge? Because that's the power of your letters. You could upset people. You don't know who you're delivering these letters to. And you're doing it all in the name of God, but you actually upset me. And I said, and I, I will put you on the do not list call thing if you give me your address. And I, so I told him his address, <laughs> told him, you know, where he lived. And I said, we can investigate stuff too, mate. <laughs> and I said, and, and I said, and the funny thing is, the only reason I'm kicked out of the organisation is because every time I did something wrong, I ran to the elders and told them about it, and then they put me through a case. I said, my brother which is Ricky Charlesworth, he's in your congregation. Now, he's an alcoholic. And I said, I know you've talked to him about his, his drinking problems. He's got done for DIC, so he's lost his licence, drinking charge. And I said, and, and you still let him in there? And I said, I still know he has a drinking problem. So I said, rather than being a liar, <laughs> I wanted to be truthful, like we were taught. And, um, but you still let him remain. So I said, I don't know who's better, the one in or the one out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and then and then I had the privilege of asking him. Um, you must be freaking out yeah. at the moment with the uh, all the stuff going on in Australia. And he goes, "Oh, what do you mean?" I said, "Do you know the eleven hundred, the eleven hundred cases of people that have had um, yeah. you know child molestation, the whole nine yards?" And the organisation never once went to the authorities about it. I said, "Now they have to hand over all their records." I said, "That must be oh, it happens in all organisations," and I said, "But." I'm not part of any organisation that has any of that going on in it, you know. Yeah, but when I was talking to the guy, nothing, you know. Right. There's no, there's there's no there's no leverage. There's no, I'm getting through to him, or I'm not making any difference, and it's just a waste of time, isn't it? But yeah. Well, the catch, the tough part is, is at the worst, or at the very least, at least innocuous part of that it would be mm. if they don't know that it could trigger you and they're just doing it because they don't they don't think about that far ahead because that's not what they're trained in the kingdom ministry yep. or in our you know then the theocratic book at the end but the worst case scenario is you know you're when you're taught those things when you're taught to talk to people at the doors you're actually taught to if someone tells you something that's bad, you know, a loved one has died or something like that, you offer yeah. them hope. So if they're triggered, you're hoping that then they reach out to you and want you to, you know, teach them more. So, you know, it goes from being, hopefully it was just somebody not thinking and just writing addresses or worst cases, it's almost like trying to get a trigger, getting someone's feelings. I'm, um, I'm shocking at the moment. If anyone ever tries to sell me something or push me down some road, I just say in a very Monday voice, um, I'd rather shoot myself in the face than listen to that. Sorry. <laughs> and they, oh, they, oh, that's a bit drastic. And I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Hey, it's been a, a lovely to have you on um, the What the Heck podcast. And I really um, thank you for sharing your story. And I know you've got a lot of things that have gone in your life and it's um, probably not always uh, the best idea to get on a public area and talk about it but I'm glad you did so I'm sure you'll help others who listen on yeah I'm trying a little bit I've uh, I've set up 
I just I've only got Good about stuff. four videos up, but I set up a YouTube channel just on that, and it's just yeah. got some truck. I call them truck talks. They're only about ten minutes long right now, <laughs> and I'm gonna do some. I used to do Sunday sermons, you know, so I've been working on a few things to talk about, but I'm not I'm not really the ex Jehovah's Witness. It's yeah. more just if you've left some type of high control religion, and now you've left and everyone's so just for before, something else, how to not just spiral, how to find we, something um, else. When we got on here, I, I asked what your last name is, and you just said you've just oh, changed right. it back. <laughs> so how do people find you? Is it, what's your YouTube channel? <laughs> I'll put notes in this. Yeah. So my, yep. Yeah, so my YouTube channel is Heathen Humanist. Um, my thing was, if I stepped down as a ministerial mm. servant, I thought, you know what, if they're going to treat me like a heathen, I'm just going to be one. So that's what I do. Yep. Um, so I'm Heathen Humanist on Twitter as well and on Instagram. And then it's on, uh, I don't do a whole lot on either of those. I'm mainly yeah, just cool. doing the videos on YouTube and then sharing links on them. So uh, I tend to also, there's quite a few I've playlists the on there that are other XJWs that I've built kind of a playlist of, yeah. Know, if you have th if you have this question, then you can look at these couple videos. Because there's some the other reason I'm not in the XJWs. There's so many out there. Like you yeah. mentioned, Lloyd Evans, that like, he was so helpful because it was just here's the facts, and do with it what you will. He's not, you know, he's not really negative towards anyone unless they deserve it. Yeah. So I think his his way of he's, doing um, things. He uses what, this thing that the Jehovah's Witnesses don't use very much, and that's logic. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, excellent mate well um if you are uh, listening to this um yeah and if you follow the link just yeah. below the video you'll see this goes to uh .com, which is my website and i have show notes so you can actually uh listen to all the words and at the bottom of this i'll put all the contact details um to derek's twitter and uh youtube account so you can click on it if you can't find them but yeah absolutely awesome mate thanks for being on here with us today and um that's it ending <laughs> <laughs>